Well, welcome, everybody. Today we will discover four fishermen who face and encounter the opportunity of a lifetime. Of course, what would that mean for a fisherman? Perhaps the, the biggest catch ever? The largest fish they could ever dream of? An expansion of the fishing fleet? The, uh, the forgiveness of taxes and, and, and debts? I mean, what would be the opportunity of a lifetime for four fishermen? Well, Mark would tell us that the opportunity of a lifetime for these four fishermen would be a soul-revolutionary encounter with the person, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that's where we're going today as we look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 14 to 20. We'll discover the difference that Jesus can make and the soul revolution that he can bring into your life. Mark has written this Gospel to, to expose to us who Jesus is and the difference that he can make in our life. And that difference starts from the inside out. And he shows how, how 700 years earlier, Isaiah prophesied that a, a forerunner would come and prepare the way for the Lord. And then John the Baptist came and he preached. And then, and then he baptizes Jesus. It's the commissioning of Jesus. Jesus has gone to the wilderness to be tempted. And then the angels are ministering to him. And that's where we find ourselves in verse 14. Jesus is on the ground and he is doing his ministry. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. He says there, Now after John was imprisoned, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God. It's the transition point from the forerunner to the Messiah. John has, has finished and fulfilled what he needed to do, and now it's Jesus turn on the scene to, to bring and to fulfill the mission of God that he was sent to earth to do. Interesting, Mark says that in my translation, Jesus was, uh, John was imprisoned, but literally the word means handed over. Later on, Jesus himself will say in Mark 13, you will be handed over as disciples of mine as you follow me and, and, and perform the mission of God. And then in Mark chapter 15, Jesus himself is handed over to be crucified after his arrest and trial. And here Mark kind of front loads this theological term handed over. He says, John is handed over. And the truth of the matter is, followers of Christ, followers of God, servants of God, at times are handed over. And as he writes to, to a church in Rome, no doubt, in the period of time of Nero, who was known for his harsh persecution of Christians, it was a reminder to those Christians there in Rome, look at, look at, Faithful servants of God often can be handed over. But that doesn't mean that they have not fulfilled the purpose to which God has placed them on this earth to do. And so here John has been handed over, and Jesus enters into Galilee. Mark will center and focus the whole first part of his gospel on Galilee. For him, Galilee is the place where Jesus really encounters and shows him his true character and his true personhood to everyone in many different ways. Galilee some people have thought, and, and there was a, a sense that Galilee was kind of this backwoods, sort of podunk in a redneck area, but that's not, that's not true. Galilee was looked down upon by the religious Jews of Jerusalem because it was further away, but Galilee was a, a hub of commerce and activity. It was located on a major trade route, and so people of different nationalities and backgrounds converged in Galilee, and there was a thriving metro, metropolitan, you know, metro, metropolitan business going on there, especially when it came to fish. 
And that's why today we find our text revolving around this four fishermen. But Jesus enters into Galilee and, and proclaims the gospel of God. He begins his ministry and he's preaching. He's teaching. He's proclaiming this good news of God. And then, of course, he'll tell us what that good news is in verse 15. But understand, it's interesting. Mark will tell us a lot of other things that Jesus does. Miracles that he performs that are wonderful and truly point to his character. But Jesus begins simply proclaiming the good news. And it's a reminder to you and me that how Jesus started his ministry is something that we can do. We can proclaim the good news. Now, what is that good news? Verse 15. He said, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. He says, The time is fulfilled. Now, you've got to understand in the Greek language, there's two words for time. One is chronos, it's chronological time. It's, you know, it's time to get up, it's time for lunch. It's time to go to work. It's time to go to school. This is ordinary, regular, chronological time, sequential time. It's, it's life as seen, and it's just normal up and downs and, and daily routines. That's chronos. But then there's this other word in the Greek language called kairos. It's the disruption of time for a significant purpose. It's critical time. It's a decisive moment in history. It's time for this baby to be born. <laughs> it's time to graduate. It's time to get married. You know, it's time to move. I mean, significant, life-changing, history-making moves, movements in life. Those are called kairos moments. And Jesus says, this is a kairos moment. The time is fulfilled. In the original language, that, now, that verb had the what we call a perfect verb. It's a completed action that has continuing results. Jesus has shown up. He's been baptized. He's, in, he's, he's, he's endured the temptations and succeeded, and now he's on the scene proclaiming this message. And he's like, look, guess what? It's time. God is entering into human history here. It's fulfilled. I'm here, and now there's going to be continuing results as a result of my presence on earth. The time is fulfilled. For the Jewish understander, reader, you would understand that they long for that moment when God would intercept human history and intersect himself into it and, and begin to, to change things. And Jesus says, here it is. It's happening right now. Now, if you have had some experience with Jesus, that would have been a Kairos moment, Sunday school vacation Bible school, a camp. Maybe it was a church service. Uh, someone shared with you the, the life-changing message and truth about Jesus, his death, his resurrection, and then how he died for you and rose again so you can have new life. And, and, you, and you, made, you, you, you made a decision. You, you followed him at that moment. You surrendered your life and you believed in him. And, and that for you was a Kairos moment. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. The time is fulfilled, Jesus says. And he says, the kingdom of God is near. And we don't understand this idea of kingdom very well. 
Um, some of you play video games that maybe there's kingdoms and, and maybe you can understand it in that terms, but, but really it's talking about this kingly rule or reign. And he says, God's reign is now present on the scene. It's here. It's not a geographical territory necessarily. It's his ruling power and authority. And maybe we could use the term leadership. Now, some of you have problems with authority. <laughs> you have always struggled with authority, and that's the nature even of, of, our, of our culture, right? We, we are taught to, to not necessarily follow authority, to question authority, to challenge authority. If you grew up in a home where, where it was child-centered, you were the authority, and your parents just dodged every time you said something, and, and you never had to follow anything they said, and you, you've grown up that way, and then you've, you've resented teachers, you've resented police officers, you've resented employers, and, and, and you have an authority issue. And, and so this idea of the kingdom is going to just grate on you, I'm telling you. But deep inside all of us, there's a rebel that resists any type of authority and wants to rule over our own kingdoms. But as Jesus enters the scene and says, the time is now, this is a Kairos moment, and the kingdom of God is near, he's basically saying, get out of the way. The king has arrived on the scene, and you need to, to, to surrender and submit to his authority. It's, it's like you watch these police shows or military shows on the TV, or, or you're familiar with this. I mean, it, if a sergeant's in charge of a group of soldiers and he's, he's ordering them around and suddenly the lieutenant shows up. He steps aside and lets the lieutenant take over. Unless the lieutenant says, continue on, sergeant, and lets him. But, but he willingly submits to the, the one of, of greater authority. And then the lieutenant's sitting there and all of a sudden the, the general shows up. He's like, oh, he gets aside and the general starts calling the shots. And then the five-star general shows up, you know, brigadier general. And then that general gets aside. Unless this guy says, no, you, you keep going, you know. We, we, you, there's always this sort of step aside in the chain of command. And Jesus says, the highest part of the chain is on the scene. Make way. Maybe it's because you haven't experienced loving leadership. And that's why you struggle with authority. But as Mark will introduce us to, what we discover in Jesus is a totally different type of leader. One to whom surrender and submission, repentance and obedience is willingly given because of just the, the fact that you just know you can trust him. kingdom of God is near. And then he says, and this is your response to that Kairos moment and to the kingdom and to the king. Jesus said, I'm the king. Here I am. Repent and believe the gospel. Repenting is turning away from something. That soul revolution is turning away from something. Believing is turning to something. It's not two different actions. It's one action described in two different movements. It's, it's releasing control of something that, that you've been holding on to, and it's, it's embracing something new and something better. Repent and believe the gospel. Well, I found an interesting story I'd like to share with you. It's found in this book, Follow Me by Jan Hitinga. Experience the Loving Leadership of Jesus. Great book. But this will, I think, help bring it into perspective for you. Let, let me read it in his own words. He's meeting with this guy that he's been meeting with, and he will describe the encounter that he has in the coffee shop. His friend starts by saying this. 
So, okay, run that past me again. I'm not sure I see what's so important about this kingdom thing, this kingdom thing. Let me see if I'm making sense of it. Jerry was talking. He'd been meeting with me for early morning breakfast for a month. You know I believe in God and the Bible, he continued. I told you I gave my heart to Jesus as a 12-year-old at summer camp. So I'm a Christian, right? I know I've messed up my life, the booze, the two divorces, the gambling debts and all that. But I've always been a Christian in my heart. His eyes were pleading for me to affirm his fantasy. I've been listening to your story for a month, Jerry. You've been down a pretty rough road. Frankly, I'm surprised that you seem so convinced you're a Christian. From what you've been telling me, it doesn't look like Christ has figured in your decision-making process at all. Is that a fair assessment? No! He was showing signs of angry desperation. I've always wanted to go to heaven. I love Jesus! He teared up. Jerry, I don't doubt that you love Jesus and your ex-wives and your kids whom you can't see because of restraining orders, but your back trail reveals that you love yourself a whole lot more than any of them. I braced for the explosion. Knowing that I was waving the needle of truth close to his balloons of cherished self-deception, instead his eyes took on a haunted look and he nodded, Well, preacher, you sound just like my eyes, and my current live-in too, for that matter. Maybe you're onto something there. Encouraged by his painful recognition of his personal priorities, I asked, where is the evidence that you love Jesus or have ever loved Jesus? <laughs> he flared immediately, wait a minute. How can you play God with and tell me what's in my heart? I know what I feel and, what, and that's what matters to me. Red-faced and furious, he rose to leave. Sit down, Jerry. I'm the only friend you got. You told me so when we got here this morning. Why don't you just relax and think about the question I asked? You're just re reacting again, and you know you can't afford to burn any more bridges. He stood there clenching and unclenching his fists, glaring down at me. Then an indifferent look came over his face, and he dropped back into the booth. His eyes refused to meet mine. He was clearly tuned out. Well, with nothing left to lose, I told him the truth. Gently and with compassion, I recounted to him the long, nightmarish list of disastrous, self-indulgent choices he had made. Where, in all this tangled mess, is there any sign that God, the Bible, or Jesus meant anything to you at all to you? Sure, you may have had a sentimental soft spot in your emotions for Jesus, but it had to be on about the same level as what you felt for a favorite childhood teddy bear. Think about what you're saying. You insist that you believe in God and the Bible, but you act as if you are in the driver's seat of your life. God is a word that evokes a warm feeling. You get emotional when you hear, just as I am, sung. But you have no allegiance to God. Jesus makes no difference in your decision-making process. He hasn't been allowed to change your behavior. You've missed the whole effect that believing in him produces. His body language and still was still stiff and indifferent. But I sensed that Jerry was listening. Intently, and intently, I plunged on. My friend, God isn't interested in having you believe in him in some technical or emotional way. He simply wants to be God. He wants to be your leader. He designed you to function best under his direction. That's what the kingdom is all about. It's the catch-all word for the ruler of the universe taking charge and being in control of your life. There was a long pause. Jerry was sitting with his head down, but now I heard a sniffle. He dabbed at his face with a napkin. 
What if you were to give Jesus complete control in your life? What if you totally surrendered to him? What if you begin to follow him as your leader? What do you sense would happen? He raised his head and stared at me with a far off, far away look in his eye and slowly recited a list that sounded almost memorized. I suppose I'd have to make my child support payments and I wouldn't be able to make the card game at the poker club tonight and I'd have to dump the bottle I've got stashed in the car and I'd have to move out of Carol's place today. How's that for openers? <laughs> we sat in silence. Jerry was counting the cost of repentance. He had obviously been acutely aware of his kingdom issues all along. It was a breathless magic moment where time and eternity were being reconfigured. The Holy Spirit was giving gracious germination to the kingdom mustard seed of faith. The loving rule of God was being considered by a man long used to going his own way. Softly he asked, what do I say? What prayer will make it work this time? Do you know the Lord's Prayer, I asked? Yep, he nodded. Well, I'm a little rusty. That's okay, let's get together. It's kind of a special way of saying I give up to the Lord. Ready? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. After we finished, we sat in silence for a minute or two. A big smile slid across his face. Thanks, he said. I think I'm finally catching on to that kingdom thing you've been talking about. Want to help me move? <laughs> for three years now, Jerry has followed through on his surrender to the Lord Jesus. He's a radically changed man with a growing reputation for integrity and generosity. Everything about his life is influenced by his ongoing process of following Jesus in the kingdom of God. His life is a miracle of transformation. <laughs> Repent and believe the gospel of God. Now I'll come back to this at the end. But maybe you can relate to Jerry. <laughs> You've had some emotional experience or some type of encounter, but it hasn't changed the outward expression of your life. It's because the soul revolution didn't happen. You see, the soul revolution happens with this repentance and belief. When you turn away from your own selfish living and to turn towards following the loving leadership of Jesus. And thankfully, Jesus and Mark records for us some examples of what it looks like to follow Jesus. These men that, that he'll share with in verses 16 and to 20 are, are men who will form the core of, of his apostolic troop after he departs. And this is how it began for them, the opportunity of a lifetime. We see this in verse 16. It says, As he went along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they... We're fishermen. You got to understand the, um, the Sea of Galilee. I have a picture here. <laughs> it's it's there. I took this picture. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is uh, is um, it would fit within Cold Lake if you're familiar with Northern Alberta. It's 14 miles long, seven and a half miles across. Not a massive lake, but a significant lake and a very lake, a lake full of fish. And Jesus comes along here and encounters these, these two men 
casting a net, you know, and, and that net would have been much bigger than this with weights, but you can just imagine, I'm, I'm just helping you to visualize the, this, this net and these guys, you know, just doing ordinary, regular, everyday things, Cat, fishing, you know, looking for that opportunity of lifetime. What would that be? That'd be the catch of all catches, you know, the, the opportunity maybe to, to pick up a boat cheap and expand their fleet. I don't know what it is, but, but there they are just living life in their normal chronos routine, chronological Time. time to get up, time to fish, time to clean fish, time to sell the fish, time to go home, time to pay bills, time to pay taxes. And in that moment, Jesus meets them. And he says to them in verse 17, follow me and I will turn you into fishers of people or fishers of men. I mean, that's but the idea is of all people. There they are, just doing their thing, like that fishermen do, you know, catching their, you know, trying to catch fish, and Jesus sees them, and, he, and, and he, he issues this invitation to them in that moment. Follow me, and I will make you into fishers of people. If you're familiar with this text, it kind of loses its sting. You're saying, oh, yeah, you know, we used to sing that song, I will make you fishers. And we'd, we'd cast, you know, and I, and I was vigorously cast. Now, this is not, they were casting a net, you know, but, but he's like, look, I, I've got a big opportunity for you here. Why don't you come and catch people with me? Follow me. Now, we were in Israel, my wife and I, and the tour guide said, as we were on the Sea of Galilee, like that picture was that you saw there, and he said, you know, the reality is that, that, that all the kids went to rabbinical school and studied the Torah and memorized the scriptures, and then, and then at a certain point, you know, after adolescence, the brightest of the brightest were encouraged to find a rabbi and, and, to, and, and to ask if they could follow him and, and, and to begin the life of studying the law so that they could be rabbis. The brightest of the brightest and the rest went on to become fishermen and basket weavers and stonemasons and carpenters and all these things. So, so obviously, if you're a fisherman, that ship had sailed for you. You weren't going to become one of the teachers or the religious leaders. You, you were stuck on the boat, so to speak. And perhaps, I mean, we're not told. Perhaps. I mean, this is, you know, just imaginative speculation. I mean, maybe they were having those thoughts in their own heart of, is there more to life than just fishing? Could there be something else to life? And suddenly, Jesus enters their world and says, there is something else. I am that something else. Follow me, and I will turn you. Notice, it's not them doing anything. <laughs> Jesus is saying, I will make you into something that you currently are not, but I will use what you are for the maximum praise of God's glory. And he will use your gifts, your talents, your personality, your experience, your abilities, all for the, for the growth of the kingdom and for the purposes of, of, of his eternal purposes. And, and they're like, wow, what an opportunity. Hence the response. Verse 18. They left their nets immediately and followed him. One of the favorite words of Mark is this word immediately. 
Immediately, immediately, immediately. It's not like, well, let me think about that, Jesus. Uh, do you have a benefit plan? How much does it pay? You know, where, where do you live? You know, does, does it come with, you know, transportation? And, you know, will you buy my clothes? And, you know, what's going to happen for my children? I mean, there's a lot of questions. Can I, can I think about it? Can you put it in writing? You know, but no, no, immediately drops the nets, follows him. Immediately. In case you don't get it, Mark records another very similar parallel account. He says in verse 19, going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in their boat mending nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And so here we have these four guys. First two, they're, they're fishing. They come. These guys are, are mending the nets. They're, they've done fishing for the day. There's dad. There's the hired men. Evidently, Zebedee and Sons was a significant company. And he just says, he called them, probably the same thing, follow me. I'll make you fish as a man. And they're like, okay. Dropping the, you know, the, the lines they're using to, to mend the nets and leaving behind the hired man. And dad which in first century culture would have been shocking to hear. Like, are you serious? Like, you're supposed to honor your father and, and respect him and follow him and take over his business. Like, what are you doing? They can't help but respond to this call. It grips them at a soul level. And it's not the opportunity in itself, it's the person. Jesus. That's the way Mark writes this, this, this text. It's not about them. It's not about him seeing so much potential in them all. He does see the potential in all of us. And he does call us each and every, uh, where we are and, and, and uses where, what we have, our experiences for his glory. But, but it's not about us. It's about him. The opportunity of a lifetime centers around Jesus. I don't know if you've, if you've watched that show, The Chosen. I'm not making a, a comment. It's, it's a creative, imaginative picture of Jesus in the first century. But in the first episode, Mary Magdalene gets healed by Jesus. In the second episode, you know, uh, Nicodemus comes because he couldn't, he couldn't cast out the demons, but Jesus healed her and he encounters her whole and well. And he's like, you know, he's trying to figure out what happened. And she's like, all I know, and I'm paraphrasing this loosely, but it is, you know, I was this way before and now I'm this way. And the difference is him. An encounter with Jesus can change everything. And these four men drop it all to follow and pursue Jesus. You know, when you were following a rabbi, uh, typically you asked the rabbi, can I be your disciple? You know, can I follow you? You know, can, can I be trained under you? The idea was that he would train you so you'd become exactly like him. Uh, disciples of rabbis would dress like their rabbi. They would talk like their rabbi. They would eat like their rabbi. They would curl their beard like their rabbi. They did everything. They would, you know, they, they, they interpreted the scriptures like their rabbi. That was the nature of it. And so for Jesus to step into their world and say, no, you follow me. Come on, follow me. It was, it was just astounding. Really? You want me? Like they're almost like looking over their shoulder. Are you talking to me? I'm talking to you. And some of you would be absolutely shocked to think that God 
the Son, Jesus Christ, looks at you right now, where you're at, and says, come follow me. You're looking over your shoulder. You're obviously talking to someone else because you don't know me. I know you. But I've done all these things and, I, and I've thought these things and I've got these habits and these attitudes. You know, and, and Jesus is like, I can take you and I can turn what you are into what God wants you to be. The opportunity of a lifetime. And these men take it. Now, you understand, like in our context here, in interior of Canada, right? We, we're not a fishing village, so it's hard to, to resonate this. But can you imagine you, your, your dad's a farmer, your grandpa was a farmer, maybe even your great-grandfather was a farmer. He, in fact, plowed that land as, as a tore roots out of the ground with an with a ox or a horse and, and then your dad, grandpa took over, your dad took over and you're taking over and this is your heritage and this is who you are and suddenly this guy comes along the scene and says, oh, by the way, follow me and that's okay, see you later, dad. The opportunity of lifetime is for you to take over the family farm and expand and, and continue this heritage and Jesus says, I've got something better. Now, other people that Jesus will encounter, he tells to stay behind and to tell his home people what, what he's done for them. I mean, this is not the same call for everyone, but the, but, but the invitation is the same for everyone. Jesus invites you and me to follow him in a soul-revolutionary experience, which starts when we repent and believe in Jesus. You may have had an emotional encounter with Jesus at some point or with some spiritual moment, movement that was centered on Jesus, but it wasn't repenting and believing in Jesus. It was you having an emotional experience with a bunch of Christians and, and you thinking that that was you turning to Jesus. But turning to Jesus is much bigger than that as the story that Jan Natinko shared in his book. It's when Jesus and God and the Bible begin to affect your decision-making process and the way you interact with people and the responsibilities that you carry in life then you know that you've had the sole revolutionary encounter with Jesus. And not that God doesn't use those experiences. But maybe if you feel like your spiritual life has been spinning for a long time, it could be that you missed this critical step. And I'm not trying to say it to, to, you know, I just want you to experience the fullness of life in Jesus. And it starts when you repent and believe. Not when you just sort of add Jesus to your life. I mean, the truth of the matter is sometimes we want to drag our nets along with us if we follow Jesus. Sure, Jesus, I'm coming. Just let me, just let me grab my net and, and, and the boat and, and, and whatever else I'm doing, my carpenter's tools. Yeah, as long as I can just keep my life the same and just sort of, sort of throw you in there, let's, let's get it done. And Jesus like, that's not what I'm inviting you to. to. Leave the net behind. Jesus, I've dreamed about this career my whole life. <laughs> Jesus, these toys are, are, are what bring me pleasure on the weekend, Jesus. You're asking me to give that up? I've dreamt about dating that guy or that girl my whole life. And now you want me just to walk away from that relationship. Really, Jesus? I mean, I know we're not married, God, but I love that woman. Really? I've worked so hard to get that degree, Jesus. 
And I'm just slowly creeping my way up the academic ladder. And now you want me just to throw it all away. And Jesus says, if I am who I say I am, and if I am who the Bible says I am, then we shouldn't even be having this conversation. Let it go. Drop the net. Follow me. Jesus, I've spent my whole life working out and trying to become that professional football player, the professional bowler, whatever it is. I, I, you know, I, I've got this dream, this goal, and, and Jesus is like, just let it go. Let me dream the dreams for you. But no, I, I, I want that net. It's kind of like the old Charlie Brown. You know, where Linus has the blanket and it just goes with him everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And Jesus is like, you got to let, let it go. And follow me. Now, God can use your educational aspirations. God places you in successful career situations for his kingdom purposes and glory. God loves your family and, and would want you to be a, a, a godly blessing and influence in your family. But he says, I come first and everything else comes after. And when you trust me, I'll look after the rest of it. But we're like, no, no, no. I need the net because that is what's going to keep me going. That's what's going to provide for me in my old age. That's the health, the elixir. I mean, th this is it. And, and God's like, just let it. God, I, I want to have the perfect body and I need to work out all the time and, and I have to follow this diet plan and I got to do this and do that. And Jesus is like, just follow me. And so maybe you have a net that you need to just let go today. Some part of your life you've just been holding on to. And Jesus is like, I invited you to follow me, but that, that means you leave that behind. And if at some point in the future I allow you to pick it up again, then that's great. But right now, you just need me to be the focus in your life. You need to let me lead you into the opportunity of a lifetime. A living encounter with the King of Kings. I mean, these guys obviously believed that this was the time. The Kairos moment for them. They really believed that the king was present. And the king shows up and says, follow me. And guess what they do? They submit to his authority. Why? Because it's the highest authority that they've ever encountered. Like, of course, the king is calling me. I'm moving. And that means you're not the authority. That means he is. But when he leads, boy, it always works out a lot better. And it will lead you to places you've never dreamed possible. My father piled lumber in a mill, the secure job in our community for years. And he's like, there's gotta be more, more to life than two by fours, two by six, two by eight, two by 10, one by four, one by six, one by, I mean, and he's like, there's gotta be more to this, sweeping up sawdust. And finally the opportunity came for him to, to enter into ministry, to serve at a Bible camp. And he's like, wow, I'm sure. And, but everyone thought he was crazy. It's going to affect your pension, Steve. But he never picked up the net again. <laughs> and God looked after him. And actually, his, the job he had right when he retired, was forced to retire, was better than the mill job, but it took that step before he could experience greater blessings in his life with Jesus, following Jesus. It first starts with salvation, and then it's, it's a surrender and submission to his will. 
every step of your journey and your life? Is there something you need to let go of? Have you heeded the call that Jesus has placed on your life? Are you truly moving with him today? That, that's my invitation to you. I mean, no matter what's going on in the world, Jesus is screaming through all that noise at you and saying, look, forget about that. I'm calling you. And I will lead you like no one else can. Trust me. These men did. Now, Mark will go on to record that these guys are pretty big mess-ups. They drop the ball. They don't get it. They're, they're, they're turning you know, down the wrong path sometimes. But Jesus is patient. He's like, I will turn you into. It's a process. It's going to take some time. I'm going to have to <laughs> take you down several life lesson kind of journeys. But you'll get it. And maybe that's where you are right now. You're on the switchbacks of, of the life of learning from Jesus Christ. And that's okay. But he's like, I will turn you into fishers of men. You see, the heart of God is for people. He loves people. And he loves you and he loves me. And he wants to use us to bring more people to know him. And that begins the Gospel of Mark. It's my hope and prayer that you have that real relationship with Jesus. You've repented, you've turned away from something, and you've turned to Jesus. You've dropped the nets, and now you're following him in a relationship of surrender and submission to his will for your life. And let me tell you, the blessings are wonderful on this journey. But there'll be suffering, there'll be trials, there'll be temptations, there'll be difficulties. Your character will be, will be sanded down in this process, but God is doing this for his greater glory and for your, so that you can experience the fullness of life in and through Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me as, as we close our, our, our service together? Lord, I thank you for this text and this reminder of the glorious call that you invite all, us, all of us to, to accept. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I pray for any watching this service today that, that don't know you as, as Savior and Lord, that they would receive you today, that you died for their sins, you rose again, that they would embrace that today and begin that journey with you. And God, for the rest of us that are on that journey, if we are tempted to pick up our nets, Lord, we just relinquish that today. We let those nets go and we follow you. Thank you for this word. And for this truth, help us to move on in obedience and surrender, even this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. If you'd like to discuss what this means in your life to follow Jesus, you can call us, email us, reach out to us. We're so glad that you could tune in and join us. We're glad for those of you that have joined in too on the classes, and that's been a great opportunity to learn together and just hope that continues. And we look forward to being back in the room together and worshiping God and, and, and anticipating that day. But in the meantime, thankful to everyone that makes this, this production possible. And we hope and pray that, that this is a, an encouragement to your soul. Thank you for joining in. And just please feel free to reach out to us anytime if you have any questions. May God bless you and guide you to move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ this week.